0: Welcome to the May 17th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is John chapter 1, verses 4 through 9, and the sermon is entitled, Witnesses to the Light, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. I want you to take your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John. I hope last week you were with me by media and heard the beginning sermon of this series where we're going to walk together through the entirety of the Gospel of John. Uh, my dream for this sermon series is that one of these days it will be a box set that you can give to someone who says, I don't know Jesus and I don't know how to get to Jesus and I don't know where to start in the Bible. This is a great place to start. So my prayer is that this will become a resource of Clifford Baptist Church in days to come. Now, of course, there are four Gospels, four biographies, four eyewitness accounts of Jesus in your Bible, and you know them well, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are somewhat similar. They're called synoptic gospels. John, the gospel, stands on its own. Uh, John writes this gospel with a unique perspective. It's the last gospel account written of Jesus' life. It was written probably somewhere between 80 and 90 AD. John was a very old disciple. Most of the disciples had died young men as martyrs. But God allowed John, the old disciple, to live past those years and he pens this gospel. You know he also writes the book of the Revelation 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. So John is a major contributor to our Bible. But this is the last gospel account of Jesus' life. It was written about 50 years after John laid his head on Jesus' chest at the Passover meal. It was written about 50 years after uh, he had walked by Jesus' side on the Sea of Galilee, 50 years after John and his brother James and Peter went into a bedroom of a little 12-year-old girl who had died, Jairus' daughter, and he himself, along with those other two disciples, saw Jesus raise that little girl from death, resurrecting her to life, talitha kumi, meaning little lamb arise. Then also 50 years after John stood with Jesus' own mother at the very foot of the cross, And he saw two agonies that day. He saw the agony of a Savior dying and the agony of a mother's heart breaking 50 years ago when he wrote this. 50 years ago, he and Peter had charged to the tomb of Jesus and confirmed that no longer was he there. And so John has all of these thoughts, all of these memories, all of this material in his mind And I'm sure he was full to overflowing. And perhaps it was quite a daunting task to condense all of Jesus' life into this gospel. Because John says if everything written that could be written, the world would be full of books to overflowing. And so John condenses the most important things that he knows to do under the guidance of God to write this gospel, the life of Jesus. I'm sure he felt it was overwhelming, almost undoable, but God led him through the task. He has so much to say, so much truth to convey. But John has a reason for writing this gospel, and I took you to this passage last week. I'm going to do it again today, and I probably will through these sermons to come time after time. Probably not every Sunday, but time after time you're going to hear this. The reason he wrote his gospel. I want you to turn to this. If you did not do this last week, go to John chapter 20. And I want you to go to verses 30 and 31. John chapter 20. At least write that reference down. Verses 30 and 31. He's the only gospel writer that tells us why he writes his account of Jesus' life. And this is the reason. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, he says, Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. He said, the reason I'm writing this gospel, the reason I am condensing the life of Jesus Christ is because I want this to be a witnessing tool. I want this gospel to bring men and women and boys and girls to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior that as you read it, you will believe in the name of Jesus the Christ. Well, last week we studied the beginning of the book of John. The first 18 verses are called the prologue of the gospel of John. It's 18 verses at the very beginning of chapter 1. Uh, they have been called the gospel in miniature. Uh, they are an amazing compilation of what God has done for us from being creator through Savior for our lives. If It has been said that if every Bible on earth somehow were lost, these 18 verses could lead any person in the world to Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you were to commit to memorizing a certain passage of Scripture, this would be the ideal passage to begin in memorizing Scripture because these 18 verses can lead anyone to Jesus. Last week we studied John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus himself is the voice of God. Jesus is not a representative of God. Jesus is not a witness of God. Jesus is not a prophet of God. Jesus is God. Do I hear an amen? Jesus is God. He is the voice. He is the Word of God as John tells us that in the first chapter. Now today we're going to study John chapter 1 verses 4 through 9 as we move on through the prologue of this great gospel. This is Jesus as the light of God. So go with me. John chapter 1. Go to verse 4. John is describing Jesus now and he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of that cometh into the world. Well, as we open this passage, these short verses, verses 4 through 9, we're talking about light. You will notice in your Bible that light is capitalized. Again, just as the Word is capitalized as a name of Jesus, so light is capitalized as also being a name of Jesus the Christ. But as we begin this passage, I thought as I sat down with it, what are the scientific principles about light? And so I researched and I googled a little bit about what light truly is. And as we think about the scientific viewpoint of light, are there two equal qualities in the universe, absolute light and absolute darkness? Are those two qualities that God created within the universe, absolute light and absolute darkness? The scientific answer to that is no, There is no such thing as absolute darkness. Basically, when I researched this, this is the definitive statement that science says. There is nothing more to it. Darkness is nothing more than the absence of light. So God did not create darkness. God created the light to overcome darkness. I want you to understand that that's the scientific fact. Now, scientifically we now move to the spiritual James chapter 1 verse 17 James says God is called the father of lights there's no variable there is no shadow there is no darkness in our God he is the father of lights when We come before God the Father, everything is exposed because God is the God of light. There is no darkness, there is no hiding in him. Just as Adam and Eve could not hide from him in the garden, you and I cannot hide from him because God is light. On the other end of the spectrum is darkness, evil, sin, separation from God. Satan is described in Colossians chapter 1 as the power of darkness. So now listen to me carefully. Does that mean then, as we read this passage of Scripture, God is light, and we see that Colossians 1 uh, describes Satan as darkness. Does that mean then that there are two equal powers in the universe competing for you and for me? That that there's God as light And Satan is darkness, and they're having this equal contest as as to who is going to claim our soul. Kind of like Star Wars, where you have the side of darkness and the side of light. Is that what the Bible is describing? Does that mean that, that Jesus and Satan are on equal competition grounds, striving for our souls? Jesus, on one hand, takes on his equal adversary, Satan... Are there two equal opposites in the universe striving for us? Jesus, the light, constantly struggling, wrestling with Satan, the darkness for us. Is that what the Bible is teaching us? Look at me. No. No, no, no. That is not what the Bible teaches. And we don't ever want to misunderstand that Satan has any equality of power with Jesus Christ. There is no such thing as equality there. No, friends, not at all is Jesus and Satan equals. Satan is no equal to Jesus Christ. Just as the smallest, tiniest flicker of a candle can overcome the thickest darkness of the deepest cave, Jesus Christ overcomes the darkness. In every corner of the universe, Jesus overcomes the darkness. One glimmer of the light of Christ can overcome all of the darkness of sin and Satan and hell and lostness. There is no competition there. Jesus is the light, and the light overcomes the darkness. We have to realize that and understand that's what John is teaching here. It is a biblical truth. God never, never loses control. It's not a struggle. Satan and darkness are always at the feet of Jesus the light. Always. Jesus is the one who holds the reins. Jesus is the one who holds the keys. Satan does not. He is not even close to being equal with Jesus. In John chapter 4, or rather, John chapter 1, verse 4, from time eternal, Jesus is the light. He is the light, He is the life. He spoke the universe into being, as John teaches us earlier here in verses 1 through 3. When everything that was created was created, Jesus was there. He is the Word. He is the voice of God. He's always been. Every baby that is born today is a creation of God Almighty. He is still the creator. He is still the sustainer of life. But Jesus is not just the creator of life as we see it and understand it coming and going on earth. We lost one of the greatest apologists of the Christian faith just in the last 24 hours. Ravi Zacharias passed away. One of the greatest apologists of our Christian faith. But life comes and goes. Even the greatest of Christian lives come and go. But Jesus is not just the Lord of earthly life. He is the Lord of eternal life. He is the light of eternal life. He gives life to everyone who surrenders our heart to Him. True life, eternal life. He gives life to every one of us who surrenders our heart and our our lives and our future and our families and our possessions to Him. That's our message, that He is the light of life. Now, I believe that that is absolutely the message of the church, that we can boldly and courageously proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and we will have success in that. Do you know why I know we will have success in that? For one thing, Satan has nothing to bring against the light of Jesus Christ. When we represent Jesus, we're representing the power of God Almighty. But in John chapter 1, verse 5, we read these words. Look at them with me. John 1, 5, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The darkness could not overcome it. When the light shines, the darkness has no power to overcome it, to put out the light, because the light is the power of God. How do I know the church will be successful? When we represent the light, the darkness cannot overcome us. We are going to be successful in taking Jesus Christ to a lost world. Our message of Christ cannot be dimmed by all the negativity and all the atheists and all the skeptics. Uh, All the naysayers of the world cannot come against the light of Jesus Christ and those who proclaim him. Even though our world has been changed and a little different and we've not been able to meet in the sanctuary, the church has still continued to be the church, praise God. We're going to be the church no matter how the circumstances might change. We're going to represent the light of Jesus Christ outside of these doors in a world that needs to hear about his life. He is the light of God. He is the life eternal, and we need to proclaim his name. Now, in John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, John the Gospel writer introduces another John, John the Baptist. These are two separate men, of course. John the Gospel writer introduces John the Baptist. Look at verses 6 through 8 with me. John 1, 6 through 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now that's John the Baptist. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. John the Baptist, a key witness of God. God sent another man, John the Gospel writer says. He came ahead of Jesus to prepare the way, to break the way, to open the pathway that we would see Jesus the Christ when he came. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. If you remember, he was a cousin of Jesus. He was born six months before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And he became a preacher. And John the Baptist, as a preacher in the wilderness, preached one message. Really, you could encapsulate everything that John the Baptist says into one sermon, one message. The message, if you want to write this down, is Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. And this is what Matthew says is the sermon of John the Baptist. He that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost, or with the Holy Spirit, and with fire. John the Baptist said, I am not the light. I am a preacher of the light. I am a pointer a pointer to the light. Now let me ask you this. As we see... John, the gospel writer, making it very plain that John the Baptist was not the light, he was not the Savior, he was not the Son, he was not Jesus, but John makes it very plain that God sent John the Baptist into the world with a mission, with a purpose. And John the Baptist's sole purpose was to point to the Savior coming, Jesus. Why does old John, the gospel writer, put John the Baptist in his gospel right here? In this prologue, this first 18 verses, why does John the Baptist appear here? Well, I believe it's because John the gospel writer wanted to introduce a key word into his gospel. Look at verse 8. John 1, 8. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Now, I want you to go back. Now, let's read verses 7 and 8 together. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. If you look at verses 7 and 8, you will find the word witness three times. Three times in two verses. I would say that's a major word that John the gospel writer wants to give to us, the word witness. John the Baptist was a key witness pointer to Jesus the Christ. The word witness appears 47 times in this gospel. It is a major word that joins this gospel's message together, the word witness. John the Baptist's total purpose, John the Baptist's total calling from God was to be a witness, a pointer to the light of Jesus. He was to call others to see Jesus coming as the light. And John the Baptist... A great preacher spent his entire life drawing the the limelight off of himself and pointing to somebody else. John's entire message was, don't look at me. Don't follow me when you can follow Jesus. I just want to point to him. That's the entirety of my message. Look at him. Look at him. Don't look at me. Look at him. John the Baptist never spoke about himself. He always spoke about Jesus. Well, Now, why does John the gospel writer make that so plain at the very beginning of his gospel? I think here's why. At the end of his book, as we will get there one of these days to come, we realize that he introduces John as a witness, and he ends his book to say, we are witnesses. All of us are witnesses. If you have surrendered your heart to Jesus, to Christ, you are as much of a witness of Jesus' life as John the Baptist was. So he introduces John the Baptist as a witness, and he is going to wrap up his letter saying, and we are witnesses too, just like him. So he begins with the word witness. He will end his book with the word witness because it is the the word that draws this gospel together. Jesus is the light, and all of us as believers are surrendered to, call attention to, point to, be a witness to that light in our own lives. Each of us has a story to tell about our relationship with him. Just like John the Baptist, you and I are called to be a witness. When you receive him as your Lord, the Bible says that the Spirit of God, the Comforter, lives in our hearts. In fact, let's do this. Keep your thumb in John 1. I want you to skip up to John 15. Let's just look at a, close to the end of, end of the book. John 15 Verses 26 and 27. John 15. Go to verse 26. And John writes this in his gospel. But when the Comforter is come, that's the Holy Spirit, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness. Words of Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is going to be sent, living in our hearts, and we then become witnesses. So you see, John is beginning to tie a bow on his gospel. John the Baptist is a primary witness of Jesus, but then in our time frame, in our age, in our day, we are now those witnesses. You know, I I sense a sad truth from our world today. I believe that in many ways our world is moving away and walking away from the truth of God. And we see that in so many turns. We see our society, our culture, affirming so many things that are ungodly, that are absolutely spelled out in black and white in God's Word as not being right, and yet our society is affirming those things one after the other. And what I see is our country walking away from the Lord, not honoring the Lord and. Basically, what we feel in that is an encroaching darkness. I sense that sad truth. But listen, it's not because Satan's getting stronger. That's not the the reason that the darkness encroaches upon us. It's because people are moving away from the light. When you move away from the light, it gets darker around you. And I believe that's exactly what's happening in our country, is that So many are moving away from the light and the truth and the word of Jesus. And it's not that Satan's getting stronger. It's that people are moving farther away from the light and darkness encroaches. How sad that is. In so many conversations I've had with Christians, it seems a consensus that a darkness is surrounding us more and more. So as I wrap up this sermon really today, John ends today with two points And I think 2,000 years ago, these points fit us to a T today, and we need to hear them. Point number one is this. Jesus Christ is still the light. Amen? He is still the light. He has not dimmed. He is still the light of God. And today, His light can still outshine the deepest darkness. His light can still outshine and forgive the deepest sinner. And his light can give eternal life to anyone who comes to him as Lord and Savior. And point number two is this, church. If you know Jesus as the light in your own life, if the Spirit of God lives in you as the comforter, if you are a born-again child of God, then just like John the Baptist, you and I are called to be a witness of the light. And this world gets more desperate every day for witnesses of the light because our culture is moving away. We need to represent Him. We need to point to Him. We need to live lives above reproach that people can see Jesus in us. Church, we can still overcome the darkness by living the light of Jesus in our home, in our church, in our community, in our jobs, in our world. And I believe that we are needed now in our country and in our world more than in any other day. The world needs the light of Jesus, the same light that John wrote about and walked with 2,000 years ago. Today, I pray that you and I will rededicate our lives, brothers and sisters. Whether you're here in this sanctuary or out in that parking lot or if you're watching by media today, No matter who you are, where you are, we need to rededicate our lives to being the light representing Jesus Christ in this world. We are witnesses to him. We represent him as we walk out into this world. God bless you and me as we rededicate our lives to representing him well so others can see the light of Jesus. And today, if you are here, if you're in a parking lot or if you're watching by media today and you've never come to the light and you do not know him, I can tell you, though I might not know you, I can tell you automatically your life is filled with guilt and some kind of sadness that follows you every single day. Maybe you're always trying to find a little happiness in the day by buying something new or by getting more money in your bank account or adding another vacation to your year or whatever that might be, but I'm going to tell you this, you will still come up empty because Jesus and Jesus alone is the light. And Jesus alone is the life that brings us hope and purpose and joy and eternity. The true light, the true life can fill your heart when you come to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And he is the only one who can light your way. Friends, I want you to know I find that more true every single day. He is the only one who lights our way. If you don't know him, my prayer today is that you will allow him to light your life by accepting him as your Lord, your Savior, your King, and your friend. Just let the light come into your life. You will be amazed what will happen when the light comes on. My prayer, Christians, we will rededicate our lives to being that witness of the light in the world. And if you need him today, that you will come to him and allow him to light your life with his love. Let's pray together. Now, Father, our God, thank you for these moments, Lord. Thank you that as we come together, Lord, you are the light, you are the life. And Father, we know that the, the tiniest candle can overcome the greatest darkness in the same way one glimmer of Jesus can overcome all of the sin of the world. One drop of blood from the cross of Calvary can forgive every sin and every sinner because Jesus is the light. Thank you, Lord, that not only did you die for us on the cross, but you rose for from the grave that we might have life everlasting thank you that you're the creator of earthly life but thank you Lord that you're the giver of eternal life the light the life comes through you and you alone bless us father in these changing days to be the church you want us to be help us to be strong help us to be witnesses we pick up where John the Baptist left off Lord he was a witness a pointer to Jesus and today We are that witness. We are that pointer to Christ wherever we are in the world. Bless us as we rededicate our lives as believers to being the witnesses you want us to be. Bless that one who needs Jesus as Savior, Father. Bless that one who needs a church home. Just bless us and speak to us in these precious moments of rededication and salvation, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.